This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by our Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I don't think we have ever disagreed on an individual player more than we do on Marcus Smart. So You don't get it. You don't get You don't know ball. I don't know ball. Please. Please. Sometimes you don't know ball. Sometimes I don't know ball. Fine, fine. You, you can take your take your digs, take your slights. We're going to talk football, other ball in this. It's yeah. uh, Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots Catch-22 uh, with you for the next, uh, we'll call it like hour and 30 or so. Um, a lot of me in the host chair today, Alex. Uh, people that I were listening that. to PU or listening to me now, uh, those emailers that email in Matt and say that they can't stand my voice and don't want to hear me and all that stuff, they, they're shit out of luck today. I rough week for them. Day. They are rough times for them. Uh, you got my voice hosting the show, facilitating uh, leading the charge for for almost four hours, so I'd put that in your pipe and smoke it. Right, <laughs> uh, we got some news to to talk about. Yes, we got some news, and I I always I'll take news, any type of news this time of year, except you know, good news or however you want to take it. Not off field news. Let me, right. let me put it to you that way. Uh, Devonte Parker uh, here to to stay, here to stick around. I, I have I have a little bit of a of a of a long winded take on this, so bear with me for a second. And, uh, you know, fill in as you as you yeah. always do. So I have, uh, you know, I, I thought about this a lot last night. Uh, we're degenerates, Alex. I, I think we we both probably do this every once in a while, that, like, things like this, like, kind of keep you up at night and you, like, sort of think about how you really feel about these things. I was at Trivia and I just kept talking about Devontae Parker. It's People terrible. Like, Can you just answer the question? It's horrible. I, I would <laughs> Devont, I'm not kidding. Devontae Parker had me up until like 1 a.m. last night thinking oh, about you got to all, bed at one lucky all, you all of the different permutations and all the different possibilities and how I feel about it and stuff like that knowing that I, I was gonna you know give this take uh, on the air tomorrow I that should not happen okay first and foremost that that should not be a thing uh, we're just sickos but anyways here's my my take on Devonte Parker uh, on a micro level I have no issues with Devonte Parker I have no issues with the contract I think that the uh, his agent uh, deserves a award for putting out there that it was three for thirty three with fourteen million dollars guaranteed, because I think we're going to get the real numbers uh, here shortly on that deal, and it's going to look nothing like a three for thirty three deal. Okay, so good kudos to the agent. Good for you. Yeah, you you got you got it uh, to look nice and and peachy and uh, you know plentiful for your client and, and for yourself. Good job. Pat on the back for you. So mainly, I, I have I think that that money is bogus. I think that this is going to be a lot more team friendly uh, when the details of the deal come out and, and people are going to more more understand what's going on here. I also think that for what it's worth, Devonte Parker, when out there, when involved, uh, when targeted, was a pretty solid complimentary piece for them last year. He. I uh, converted more targets into explosive plays than any receiver in the league. Uh, 10 catches for 20 plus yards on 47 targets. That's the highest rate in the league. 11 and a half yards per target, uh, over 17 yards per catch. Really, really good against man coverage last year, uh, especially single coverage on the outside. When he was out there and healthy and, and, and involved, uh, he was somebody that could 
beat press one-on-one on the outside and make the defense pay for single coverage on the perimeter. That's not necessarily something that they've had consistently in the last couple of years. So I actually like Devontae Parker, the player. I, I don't mind the contract. So then you say, well, Evan, if they got a player that can play and they got a player at a pretty affordable price. Why are you upset today? Like, what's your problem? Right. You know, why would you, how could you criticize this move? I think where the criticism comes in is that on a macro level, on a big picture level, this to me is indicative of the tax bracket that this team feels comfortable with being in at the wide receiver position. And what I mean by that is that they are comfortable paying Juju Smith-Schuster $10 million. They're comfortable with paying Devontae Parker, let's call it seven or eight, which I think is what it will ultimately end up being. They are comfortable paying Kendrick Bourne, his salary. Six million. But they are never going to break outside of their model to overextend for a wide receiver. They're just not. And I think that the trend of the league that we have seen is that that position, just like quarterback, uh, just like other high price positions, corner, pass rusher, tackle, you get what you pay for. Now, if you use a first round pick on a wide receiver, that's when the really talented guys are going or at the top of the draft. The guys that are getting paid, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, those are the stars at that position. The Patriots, my concern is, is that they they truly believe that this is enough, that the talent level is enough at that position, that what everybody else sort of perceives as an average to below average supporting cast, this is they're comfortable with mid with fine he plays a role he's a big bodied outside receiver that can win jump balls and use his size and his catch radius in his hands and he plays a role and that's all we need we just need role players and they still ignore the star power and i think the other thing is is they are too okay with this in multiple areas of the roster especially on offense i think you can make the same argument that they are married to mid at tackle. I think you can make the same argument when they paid Devon Godshaw that extension last year. They are just, they're cool with it. And I just, I don't know if that's going to be enough for them anymore. We talk about it all the time. You know, Tom Brady's not walking through the door. He's not the one that's going to be elevating this thing anymore. You have to approach it a little bit differently because you're just like everybody else now and that's my my big picture concern with it as much as I want to separate those two things I don't mind Devontae Parker I don't mind the contract what I mind is what it tells me about how they view the position and how they view their spending model of the position are they going to sign DeAndre Hopkins next week and I'm going to eat crow on this a little bit maybe Maybe they will, but something tells me that even if they do sign DeAndre Hopkins next week, that it'll be a good deal for them. It won't be top receiver money. It won't. He won't have that market, right? And it won't push $20 million a year. So they'll get DeAndre Hopkins, sure, and they'll get the name brand, and they'll get the star power, but it will be for pennies on the dollar. So what, what do they really change in philosophy at that point? 
So that's that's where I'm at with Devontae Parker. In a micro level, fine contract, fine player. Macro level, we're settling for fine again, if that's all we're doing. If we're just running into the season with this group, they're they're good with fine at the skill positions and that that's concerning that they don't see that right you know that they don't see that that wave of of, or that need to to add more real premium talent yeah I, i mean i agree with some of that i think the point about hopkins if they i don't think them getting him for a team friendly deal is a knock i i wouldn't go that far i think if he signs elsewhere for a team friendly deal the question is going to be, well, why couldn't they top that? That would be a yeah. valid concern. I do kind of think they needed to do this anyway. I don't totally disagree with your point of they've gone cheap at receiver, but the only they only had Smith Schuster and Tyquan under contract for next year, like beyond twenty twenty three. So Parker gives them another guy. We're still waiting for them to. I guess my my point would be, I, I don't disagree with your overall philosophy in that. Yeah, they haven't address the wide receiver position as aggressively as they probably should have in the last I don't know decade like how however far back you want to go right but I don't this contract shouldn't change that right this contract they should be able to sign this contract and but it, aggre- and and address the wide receiver position with a premium asset right. whether that be a big contract or an established veteran or high traffic okay they but won't. they weren't going to do that besides be, uh before they signed this contract. I don't disagree, but this I... doesn't change anything. They needed a third wide receiver. They signed a third wide receiver. My bigger issue with it, and again, we'll have to see what the details are. Yeah. I don't love signing a guy who's entering his age 30 season who has a history of injuries to a three-year deal. Now, maybe only two of those years are guaranteed. That kind of changes the tenor a little bit, but that's my bigger knock. Like I said, when he was out there last year, he produced at times. He was really hot and cold. I think some of that was just the nature of the offense being yeah. very unfriendly to the passing game as a whole. It's just a volatile offense. Right. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the O'Brien offense. I, I'm like, I don't have a problem with the contract itself. Initially, I did because I thought it was going to take them out of the running for Hopkins. There's been multiple reports since that that's not the case. I, the whole bigger picture, how they address the wide receiver position, this has nothing to do with that for me. That was the case before they signed this contract. It was going to be the case if they didn't sign this contract. I, I guess it just it hammers it home for me. I, I, guess I, it, I, I don't even another, know that it hammers it home. It's when, another example of it, though. And it, and we go back to the draft, and they did the same freaking thing in the draft where they only used six-round picks on wide no, receivers. What, what right? Ha- right, that hammered it home. What hammers it home is the fact that we're at this point and – the instant reaction. So they brought back their third wide receiver, who is generally, he would be a better wide receiver than most teams' third wide receivers. I think we both agree on that, right? Yeah. They brought back maybe. a guy for third receiver money who's a, team. who's a very good third receiver. Yeah. You know what was trending yesterday on Twitter after that deal broke? DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. It was tre- Devontae Parker was trending with DeAndre Hopkins because we. Patriots fans can't wrap their minds around, right or not, can't wrap their minds around, they are going to sign this deal, which is a good deal for the player that he is, and still pursue a true number one wide receiver. Because, it, because I, I don't think that it's so much that fans can't wrap their head around that, because I think, you know, I have another take on this involving that, but I think it's that that would be so out of character for Bill to go ahead and pay Juju Smith-Schuster 
basically lock in Devontae Parker. Not basically. Lock in Devontae yeah. Parker. Lock in Mike Kosicki. Lock in Hunter Henry. And then add a fifth guy to that mix for decent money. It just would be very, very unlike them to do that. So I think fans are now preparing themselves for it not to happen because of this. It has nothing to do with the finances of Devontae Parker's contract. It's just the way that they operate. And I think the frustration part for me is really the best way to look at it is is just like real cash dollars. Juju Smith-Schuster is making $10 million in cash this year. Yeah. Devontae Parker is going to co- probably come in at like seven or eight because of the bonuses and things like that. Kendrick Bourne's around, what, six, I think, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think his cash is closer to four. So my point is is that they have a hierarchy in that room. Right. And my my concern is that they are not going to extend beyond ever, not just DeAndre Hopkins, ever being in the business of paying a receiver more than like ten, eleven million dollars a year. But all right, you mentioned in real cash, not cap. You mentioned the hierarchy thing, and by the way, Bourne's money is four point seven. Right. Um, so they have a clear Yes. I and this in the past is why they haven't paid players at certain positions because they didn't want to throw that out of the whack out of whack. They do kind of set it which it's weird because it runs contradictory to the idea that the best players are going to play. Yeah. And they've somehow squared the two where both things are true. But, and I don't really know how they've, well, they've done it by paying only players who are truly sure things. And I mean, like, paying players who are really, yeah. truly sure things. So, Juju's at, what, 11 in cash? He's 10 in cash this year. At least when I looked last night, I, I looked quickly. So, maybe it- so, but you can still get Hopkins for 12 and be fine. The thing is, they had so many guys like Rob Gronkowski who skewed the win, and maybe right. rightfully so, but skewed the window. You don't really have that anymore. No, Juju's at, you're, you're going by cap number. I'm going at real cash. Juju's six and a half. Six and a half of real cash? I think he's six and a half cap number. Six and a half. Oh, sorry. Six and a half base salary. Yeah. What's his, his total cash outlay? But the cash is not the cap number. But the cash is the important number. I know. Hang on. I'm trying the, to find it. The cash it. is what... Mr. Miguel is like pulling his hair out, punching his TV, hearing us do this. The, the cash is what Mr. Kraft, when he goes to right. write his checkbook or the direct All right, deposit yeah, y- Yearly cash. Juju Smith-Schuster, 10 flat. 10 right. flat. Okay. So that my point is, is that I... You can't get... But okay, so here... No, I get what your point is, they but might here's not, my point. They, they might be able to play ho- pay Hopkins if Hopkins' market is, is relative. My point is, is that they're top of the line their number one receiver rung on their ladder is i would say somewhere between 12 and 14 million dollars when the rest of the league is looking at it and saying really really good receivers like Devonte adams tyree kill level receivers are getting 25 million but here's here's where i'd push back on that and and so two things first of all if they do stick with that hierarchy they should be able to land hopkins because they should be able to give hopkins more than 10 million in cash they should they Second, just had to pay Devontae Parker a little bit more because he was they should butthurt about it. So secondly, I don't know. secondly, when have they had a receiver that was worth twenty five million or had a chance to pay a right, wide receiver? Like that's ever, my bigger problem. I do not think that as long as get that Bill guy Belichick in the door is, first, and then we can how? worry about paying him. How? Because if you're not, you're not going to draft him. We've seen how that's gone for them. But that's so, but that's exactly my point. The issue isn't that they won't pay these guys. The issue is they can't get these guys in the door to pay them. 
well, that that's therefore the only way to get one in the door is to pay him, right? Like the only way to get one in the door for the Patriots right now is to pull off a AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs, Tyree right. Hill type of trade because they're not getting it through the draft. And I have a you know another sort of offshoot of this whole thing for me is what this says or what this does with Tyquan Thornton, and yeah. you're I the way that I look at it is that they have a spending model at the wide receiver position and they have a team building philosophy that the 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 teams in the league that are spending 50 million dollars against uh, in real cash or or even cap like whatever one you want to use i don't want to confuse everybody with that yeah. the teams that are spending a ton of money on wide receivers in their mind are doing it wrong that's yeah. that's the concern that i have and I go back to, you know, just rehashing this whole thing because I said this on PU. I go back to Nick Saban and Nick Saban saying in like 2016 that Alabama had to change how they played football, that they couldn't be a ground and pound ball control offense with elite defense and win national championships anymore because these other teams across college football at the top of the top of college football were lighting up the scoreboard. And I think that that has trickled up to the NFL. I think that teams across the NFL are scoring at will and have quarterbacks and offenses that can put up 40 on you and like that. But all right. So, so here's the counter to it. It doesn't have to be the quarterback. You have to pay somebody on offense. So, yeah. again, I go back to the Niners, right? The Niners aren't winning because of the quarterback. Correct. Not. But the Niners have invested in other areas that the, this team won't do. So that's my point. And this, this is more what bothers me than the wide receiver thing. You have to invest somewhere. The whole point about having the rookie contract, the quarterback on the rookie contract, is you invest elsewhere. Yeah. And... They just haven't done that. They're operating like a team that's paying a quarterback a lot of money when they're not. They're, and Well, they're operating like a team that's paying a quarterback a lot of money, but in their eyes, what I think, they think that they're spreading the money around. Right? So everybody's getting a little bit of it. Yeah. The defense is getting some of it. The offense is getting some of it. The special teams is getting some of it. And they still believe in depth, strong middle class, you know, comparable talent all the way through the roster and all of that is all well and good but i think what it what it ignores is that was what made the dynasty era patriots 10 win football teams right but what made them 12 to 14 win super bowl champions were the stars right were brady and gronkowski and edelman, edelman yeah. and the guys on defense and that's what and that's what this team is missing and those guys at nowadays, the receivers are 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 picking up that slack for a lot of these teams, yeah. and this team just doesn't want to see that, or doesn't it just doesn't feel like they care about that. We can have so we can have this conversation full once we know what happens with Hopkins, because if they sign Hopkins, it doesn't undo all of this, because they still right. should have been more aggressive on a long term yeah. option. Whether a, a, you know we don't need to rehash all the Jerry Judy stuff, but yeah. they should have been more aggressive in that regard. But if they get Hopkins, like, it, it, they're in good shape. So the point they're is, the best my shape, point is with Hopkins, shape. and I understand what you're saying that that it. My point is with Hopkins is that if Hopkins signs here, and let's say they sign him, and and the contract is like twelve million real dollars, right? Yeah. 
It's twelve million bucks. So he's ahead of Juju. He's ahead of Parker. He's number one on on the pay scale, and he's number one in your programs and all that, right? The problem with that is is that it's still below market value. I'm so, not gonna. But I'm not gonna fault a team for signing. Like I'm, I'm already, not faulting them. Or I guess, but I'm saying it's not. They're not changing their stripes. I've already. I've that. already done this. They should have paid him to not leave the building two weeks yeah. ago or whatever it was. They should. Yeah, I've said that. Beyond that, if you're going to let him hit the open market, you don't need to necessarily bid against yourself. Correct. And I I'm think not going to bash them for not doing that. Right. My point is, though, is that it's not they're not changing the they, philosophy. You're saying the they, they let Hopkins come to them rather than going to get him. Correct. Yeah, but even if they did pay him, that would still be true because it's June 28th. Yeah. Or is it the 29th? It's June 29th. What day is and, it? And they're... So... I would argue, regardless of what they pay him, your point is true. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They didn't. They didn't I'm, address it in the I'm, draft. They didn't address it in free agency. They didn't make a trade. Right. They're and, waiting and they're, until like two weeks before camp to do this. Then, 100%. then it doesn't change the money's. But the the money's irrelevant to your point. It is to an extent, but I think what I want to hammer home with the money is because I think that people will hear this, my opinion on this, and when they sign Hopkins in two weeks, they're going to see, see Evan. They paid the star receiver. They're not paying him a lot of money, like relative to the rest of the market. I just don't care about pay- that. I, I do because if that, they pay that's him the enough problem. to get him, they paid him enough to get him. It's more they're letting this come down to the wire. There's one last guy available who does come with some red flags. Yeah. Like it coming down, really the offensive season coming down to signing a guy after. At this point, you know who knows when he's going to sign. But let's just say for argument's sake, based on the reports, signing a guy after July fourth who does have red flags, who's over the age of 30, who's the last guy on the market, letting it get to that point, you don't need the, – the money doesn't matter there. The point is they yeah. let the receiver come to them. They didn't go out and aggressively pursue adding the wide receiver, which we because, all agreed because was a I, big thing they needed to do this offseason. 100%, and I think that that's because it goes I mean, they, back they to – If anything, it's the opposite. If they end up giving him too much money, yeah. I would say that's the mistake because – Sure. Now you're to overpay him because my, he's the last guy. You have no other my options. Whole, my whole point, though, is about philosophy, right? And, and about team building and how yeah. they, they view the importance of let I, I'll I'll throw all of tight ends and receivers together. Pass catching talent, like how they view pass catchers and how important pass catchers are in the grand scheme of winning football games and winning championships and competing for titles. They still view that as a luxury not a necessity and if deandre hopkins is available on june 29th and he'll take a a a deal that's that's reasonable because he is 31 years old and he does have some red flags and he is available late in the off season they'll take him i think the same can be said you know from everything that i've heard i think we've heard similar things about dalvin cook they would take dalvin cook at the right price and I'm not saying that you should overpay Dalvin Cook, but the point is, is that they'll take anybody at that price. Like if the price, okay, but, but I think it's two separate things. It's I, I have no problem if a good football player is available late in the summer, saying you know, because at a certain point with guys, we talked about this with, with guys like Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Hey, if you don't want to sit the season out, we'll take you. Yeah. I have no problem with just checking in on guys late in the summer. The bigger problem is. Coming into this offseason, and, and you said it off the top, it's not just a receiver where they do this. They've done it at other positions. Yeah. Kind of just bargain shopping, going for 
quantity over quality. Just the more guys we have, the higher the odds one of them sticks. Yeah. What were their two biggest needs going into the offseason? Their two biggest above all else. There wasn't a close three. It was wide receiver and tackle. Yeah. And here we are on June 29th, and what are their two biggest needs? Wide receiver and tackle. They did address corner, which was a need. I'll give them credit for that. But it's not a money thing. It's a positional impact thing. Right. And and I just, as an objective observer of this team, and as a Patriot fan, if I was a Patriot fan, I would look at this offense right now and I would say, we're going to go into this season. We're going to go into this season with Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyquan Thornton, Kendrick Bourne as our receiver room. And we're going to go into this season with our starting tackles probably being Trent Brown and a 34-year-old Riley Riley Reef. And our management and our football operations says – yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we'll 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 win with that. That's fine, yeah. right? No, to me that's unacceptable. Like to me, that's not good enough. And if in six months they're an eleven win team and they're playing on divisional round weekend because they won a wild card game and like Ollie Crow, I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong. But they're showing the the 2010s Patriot thing is starting right now. And, and you, I will be up at midnight watching the Belichick saving documentary. I promise. And you, you that. look at Brady and Gronk and Edelman and McCordy and Revis and then Gilmore and like these players offensively, defensively, I can talk myself into some of the guys, the younger guys blossoming into yeah. that type of player. A Kyle Duggar, a Christian Barmore, a Christian Gonzalez. Like I can talk myself into that for for everybody to not be totally negative Nelly right now. Where is that coming from offensively? And I, I look at this this receiving core now too, and I want to spin it a little bit to Tyquan Thornton because where does this the dust settle for the the? Let's just assume Hopkins is in the mix, and then we'll assume Hopkins is in the mix. But let's assume he isn't first. Yeah, you are now paying Devonte Parker, so he's playing. Yes, if he's healthy, he's playing. Yes, you're paying Juju Smith-Schuster. Same yes. thing, healthy playing. You're paying both tight ends. So both healthy, both playing. So Tyquan Thornton, at best, at this point, is being viewed as the third receiver in true 11 personnel, maybe, if, if Kendrick Bourne isn't here. It's him and Kendrick Bourne competing for that and, spot. And forget about being on the field in 12 personnel. He's Unless it's a certain package or a certain situation where they, they're trying to hit something down the field, he's not going to be out there. So now you're blocking Tyquan. And you told me last night over text that I need to get over Taekwondo. Maybe I do, but I. So no, 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 no. That's not the full context. <laughs> the the full context was He's walking it back now, Murray. No, I'm not walking it back. I'm giving the context. Okay. Because we were talking about it. So I know you said you wanted to put Hopkins aside, but we were talking about it in yeah, the context yeah. of if they sign Hopkins. Then and, forget about it. He's just he's like the fifth receiver. Right. But here's Barry. my point. So what does it look like if they get Hopkins? I know we all thought Parker was the odd man out. We were wrong on that. Seemed like it made the most yeah. sense. Apparently, they're going to go elsewhere. So you're going to have Parker at the X. Either way, Juju's in the slot. Juju yeah. is the least affected by all of this. The extension, signing yeah. Hopkins, anything. But So Juju in the slot. Parker at the X. Hopkins becomes the Z. Yeah. And then that, in effect, buries Tyquan Thornton. You have yep. Thornton and Bourne are buried. Maybe Bourne becomes a cut candidate or a trade candidate, but... Thornton is now like way down on the depth chart. Before we thought it was Parker gets cut, 
Hopkins is the X, and Thornton and Bourne are still battling for that Z spot. And you said, you know, don't bury Taekwon. You got to figure out blah, blah, blah. My counterpoint to that was, well... You're giving up on Taekwon. I'm not giving up on him. You told me to give up on him. My, no, my counterpoint was... Get, they need to. We've talked about this at length. They need to figure out what the what the deal is with Mac Jones this year. It's more they, important they, to invest in Mac Jones than Taekwondo. Thor. Right. Yes. And unfortunately, ideally, ideally, you would be able to do what's best for both, and what's best for both would be the same thing. They've kind of put themselves in a spot where that's not the case. What's best for Mac Jones is not what's best for Tyquan Thornton. It would be nice if they had a real year last year and we more or less knew who Mac Jones was. And yeah, they could maybe do some more stuff with Tyquan Thornton with Mac Jones supporting him. But we still don't know what the deal is with Mac Jones. They've got to get him help. Yeah, And that means not putting unestablished players in key roles. Could Tyquan break out? Absolutely he could. But are you willing to gamble on it? And that so, becomes the question. So here's the thing. I sorry, I just did a double take because they showed Ryan Mallett throwing a pass to Julian. Edelman I know that was kind of creepy. That I was saw really that creepy. Too. Anyways, uh, rest in peace. By the way, that yeah, was absolutely. Sad. Yeah. Um, I said that in like a somber tone. I hope that that came across because yeah, yeah, it's no. very sad. Yeah. Uh, with Taekwon, here's the thing. One, I think that he's. We knew this. And I, I, I can't believe that you're the one telling me to to give up on Taekwon when when. You were the one that told me about Taekwon. So I, I'm a little shocked I, by so that. Just, just hear me out. Yeah. Here's the thing. He, we knew coming in that he was raw. Yeah. That he's a 4-2-8. He flies down the field. He's super fast, explosive player. But his route running, his, all of it is raw. It, yes. the, the whole The whole technique side of it is the only way that that player to me truly develops and and figures it out at this level is if he plays you're not wrong the problem is and they but they do this all the time they do this across the roster i know they, they do they, I, I, they, I, I, they take 30 year old Devonte parker and they block a 23 year old taekwon thornton with a veteran guy because the veteran guy is has a, a higher floor right yeah and, and that drives me nuts it does the but but the problem is, and I I still think Tyquan Thornton can be a good NFL receiver. I really do believe that. Can they afford to find out whether or not that's true this year? Do they have the right. luxury? Do they have the wiggle room to figure that out? I'm not sure that. First of all, I think he's going to play because between Parker Hopkins, if he's here, Juju Smith Schuster's dealing with any injury, like, there'll be injuries. They're right. But he's, I'm he's but gonna I don't get on the field. Ba- I'm not. I don't want to. I get the depth, like, and I'm not saying I'm not anti-depth. I'm just saying, like, you don't want to count on injuries to get him on the field. Yeah, I want him to play. Right. I just, I want him to play too. But I think it's more important. Isn't Mac Jones in the same spot? Isn't everything you just said about Taekwon about you know he's only going to get better by playing and you need yeah. to do this and that? It's all true about Mac Jones as well. The problem is that's is what that, sucks. Is I know, but the problem trusting, is, is I don't love know, this take. You know what you have in Devonte Parker. You know what he is in this league. But isn't that kind of what you need to put around Mac Jones right now? Established players? What I'm worried That's about, what you need though, to put around what I'm worried about is that this this type of approach, and they do it all over the roster. It's not just at wide receiver. This type of approach is how you get stuck into NFL no, you know, Evan, you it's know you I'm with stuck. you on this. You, we've it's talked how you about, go eight and nine every year. We've talked about the impact of burying Juwan Williams yeah. and how that maybe derailed him. And, and I know people just think he was bad. They buried him. Yeah, they and they had a lot of good corners, but they buried him. You know, I agree with you on this. Yeah, this is just a unique scenario where you have two players in this spot where they both have to play in order to 
hit their ceiling and I don't want to say one being on the field doesn't help the other because it's not like Mac's not going to be on the field. But you need you need to do what's best for the quarterback. Last year, and, and they I did agree this to, to themselves. Extent, but, but maybe... I don't love that this is where they're at, but I think this is where they're at. Here's the thing, though. If Devontae... Don't give Devontae Parker this extension. He still plays here next year. Yeah. In this, this okay, coming that, up season. That, but that's a different okay, conversation. And, and Juju's still going to play. Yeah. The tight ends are still going to play. The only difference is to me is that you're not married to Parker where Taekwon now just has a, a, a bigger runway to, to potentially. Oh, I, I'm totally with impact. you on that. I, I, I'm, and you just, to me committing to this receiving core and committing to the veterans in this group and to committing to this tackle situation and all of it, to me, this spells you finishing nine and eight, nine and eight. Cool. Like, cool. Whereas if you put Tyquan Thornton on the field and all of a sudden Tyquan Thornton actually starts to figure it out at the NFL level and Tyquan Thornton all of a sudden turns into a player for you, maybe your ceiling improves, right? So, okay. maybe, maybe you get even better than what you would but, get but here. But I guess the question is where's the – and I don't – you know, I'm not saying never play Tyquan Thornton either. That's not what this yeah. is. But I guess the question is where's that – line where's that line between you got to play him enough because maybe he breaks out but you also can't just leave him out there and essentially leave mac jones with one less pass catcher my because that's what they did at times last year with nelson aguilar is that they are committed down these paths with guys like Devontae parker i mentioned devon godshaw last year that extension i love dietrich wise like dietrich wise is one of the most fun players on this team uh, just getting to like get to know him, you know, yeah. uh, at the level that we get to, and but him too, you know, his his contract that they gave him a couple years ago too. My fear is is that this regime knows that they carry enough goodwill with ownership that as long as they are competent and competitive and pushing for the playoffs, they'll continue to get to do things their way. And that, to me, their way is what I just outlined about their philosophy with the receiver position. No change is going to come from this because they'll win nine games. They'll probably squeak into the playoffs, and and maybe they're more competitive in the playoff game than they were in Buffalo a couple years ago. And they still get to approach it the same exact way. And that's my fear is that it, it gets you stuck in this, this purgatory of doing the same thing and expecting better results. And I want to see them at least in some pockets of this roster. And I think they do it defensively, which is such the, the so fascinating to me is that they do it in spots more so defensively. And I think that that speaks to just the head coach and his background and being in defense. He feels like maybe he feels like he can take more chances on that side of the ball because he knows he can coach them up, you know, in terms of just raw, taking chances on raw talent, you know. But they, they just don't care. Like they, they just look at it and they're just like, it's fine. All we need is to be fine at receiver. All we need to be is fine at tackle, right? Adrian and, and Bill O'Brien will coach him up and we'll be fine. And I just don't think that that. That, we shouldn't accept that as being good enough. 
and we know how the draft works. We know how their their success rate is at the draft, and they're showing Gronk highlights right now behind you. And I, I was trying to remember like when's the last time outside of Gronk, when's the last time that they've have a homegrown skill player. I mean, James White would would be like after Gronk, I guess. And, and I, okay, let's let's take running backs out of it, like receivers and tight ends. No, but even still, James White's James White was drafted in 2012. So like. that's still ten. I I don't think you need to take running backs out. That's ten years ago. So they're not. Gonna, I guess, I guess R- Ramondre. I should say Ramondre. But so so taking taking just looking at pass catching, just looking at tight ends and, and receivers. We know their history in the draft is, is Oh, James White was 2014, so 9 years ago. Is not great. Right? It's it's the success stories are like Dion Branch, Gronk, uh, obviously Hernandez, uh one season of Malcolm Mitchell and like Julian Edelman turning from a 7th round quarterback into a, a Pro Bowl receiver, right? Malcolm Mitchell also all all was what he was always going to be. Right. That's kind of that's a weird one. They we we don't need to right. Rehash so, but all my, that much here's time. my final point, and we'll take some calls, and we'll we'll talk about. Uh, I want I do want to get to DeAndre Hopkins and how this impacts that in a little bit more detail. My whole point is this: the Patriots are going to need to find skill talent to put them over the top through the veteran market, and if they are only going to operate in this tax bracket at receiver. Then the best thing, the best that they could do, Alex, is is thirty one year old DeAndre Hopkins. That's well, the, the best that they could do is drafting one. But what I'm saying is, is that I don't think they can. They, I, I, I don't. I don't. I, see, I don't have enough proof that to feel like they. I, I trust them to be able to do that. I I do and I don't. They haven't really tried. Nikhil was the one shot in the last 10 years. And that's sort of the years. other angle of it. It's both things, right? I don't trust them to, to evaluate it properly, and I don't trust them to do it. That's fair. So y- You want you want all the skill position players in the last 10 years? I don't really. That know. they've drafted? No. Okay, good. All right, we're doing this anyway. Yeah. All right, we're last 10 years. Anyway. 2013, second round, Aaron Dobson, fourth round, Josh Boyce. 2014, fourth round, James White, seventh round, Jeremy Gallon. Uh, 2015, sixth round, tight end, A.J. Derby. 2016, fourth round, Malcolm Mitchell, seventh round, Devin Lucian. Uh, 2018, first. So we have some breaking news. Can I, can I cut yeah. in here for a second? This is not DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, I'm sorry. Dang. Breaking news, though, on the Patriots front. They have another contract extension. You want to guess who it is? Don't look. Um, Is it one of the three, like, young guys? It's a defensive player. I wouldn't even really call him young. Okay, so it's not like Onwenu, Duggar, Uche. No. It's not that group. Hmm. John, no, not Jonathan Jones. They just signed him. Jawan Bentley. All right. New contract extension for Jawan Bentley. A two-year, 18.75 max deal. $9 million fully guaranteed. So, Jawan Bentley gets paid. Jawan Bentley gets paid a little bit here in this deal. I got to say, I think Jawan Bentley is one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. I think that his... His skill set is to so many people uh, prehistoric and antiquated that that he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is at what they ask him to do. Uh, if you need somebody that's going to take on blocks, it's going to fill gaps, it's going to come downhill, uh, that is going to compress space in, in the in the running game. Jawan Bentley is a really really good throwback linebacker. He's he's one of the best in the league at what he does. Is he Fred Warner? Is he Matt Milano? No. He's not a rangy coverage linebacker, uh, but as a, a hard-hitting Mike, what they want him to do, 
He's excellent in that role. So I, I really like uh, this contract. I think that he's a super underrated player for them. And uh, I'm glad that they're going to keep him in the mix because the last thing I'll, I'll say about it and uh, hear your take on it, I think he's one of the, those guys that can step into a leadership role. Yeah. I think he's a true leader. I think he's born to do it. He's a multi-time captain in college. He's been a captain here. Uh, with Devin McCourty leaving, I, I think Jawan Bentley is one of those guys that you could see step up maybe more a little bit of a quiet leader intense lead by example lead by example type of guy so I, I they lock up Juwan Bentley for a little bit longer here I, I I like the move he's also only 20 he just turned 27 I did not realize he was that young it feels like he's been around for a while yeah it you know that's a good contract I think that 19 million dollar number is going to scare people this is another one shout out to the agent is his agent the same as uh his I, agent? I CAA know. and let's look up Devontae Parker's agent but it's a yeah, it's a good contract. I think the biggest thing with him this year, you know, you lose Devin McCourty, not different agents. The biggest thing with him this year, that communication. And coaches have talked about it, players have talked about it. You losing Devin McCourty, having somebody who knows the defense inside and out, can communicate with all the other ten guys, he's gonna be key with that. Yep. He kind of helps now bridge you to the next not just bridge you to the next gap. I mean, again, he's only twenty seven. He, he is he, the next gap to me. Right. Well, it's only two years. I'm kind of surprised it's not more years. But yeah, that's you know I, I see the nine million fully guaranteed, so that's call it four and a half, five a year. His previous cap hit was five, which was fifteenth in the league among linebackers, among inside linebackers. So if it's like a five six million dollar cap hit, he's going to be just outside the top ten. I'd say that's probably about right. It, yeah, you know that's a probably about right to a favorable deal. Like you said, he's a more underrated player. I do think he's does have some situational limitations but yep after you draft a guy like Marte Mapu you know you roll with those two guys you could it's only a two-year deal but the next two years that's your middle linebackers you've got a very complete duo right there for what's probably going to be about I'd say under 10 million between the two of them yeah right? yeah I just think you know look I understand that people want them to get faster at linebacker and he's not He's much better in coverage than he was early on in his career. He's really improved his instincts and his recognition in coverage to basically max out his athletic ability in space and in coverage, which I give him credit for. Yeah, I think he's really uh, improved in that area of his game. And he's not a, he's not the rangy sideline to sideline guy. He's not going to go trace down Josh Josh Allen, you know, on a scramble or something like that. Uh, but they still play a ton of odd front uh they still play a ton with open gaps on the line of scrimmage right you know odd front three four you're gonna have the b gap is gonna be a bubble it's gonna be uncovered right there's not gonna be a body in there on the line of scrimmage if you're gonna play like that to the strong side of the formation you have to have a linebacker that can take on that gap and he's still one of those guys I look. I've been saying it since I, you know, they drafted him in, until I'm blue in the face. I, I want to see them pair this now with Marty Mapu at the second level next to Juwan Bentley. Now you got your thumper and you got your chaser, right? Like that's right. that's the combination that we're looking for here. Both guys don't have to be, you know, the the Fred Warner, right? Like you, you can have sort of complementary skill sets even at a off ball linebacker position. Uh, yeah, I think this is interesting that they they do this again. So he was a he was a a free agent, pending free agent, pending free agent. Yep. So this, I my guess is that this deal is is similar to uh, what they just did with Devontae Parker, where they're ripping up this year and then they're giving him an extension through next year. So my guess is is that he's now going to be a twenty twenty five free agent. Would I be. I think they're tacking it on actually. 
Interesting. So I think he's going to be a 2026 free agent, just based on the initial. What I, I I don't know. I'm like I'm so bad with contract language. Yeah, I well that's so. I mean, look, this is one of the other problem. One of the gripes that I have is uh, with with how these are reported. So. Right. Does two-year extension mean on top of this, or is it a re? Or is right, it a, because Devontae Parker's deal was a redo. Was it they, restructure? R- they ripped up this year and then added two more years to it. Right. So that that's the thing. There's yeah, restructure and extension mean two different things. Yeah. So Parker's was a restructure. It's a new deal. It's a completely new contract. This one, it would not surprise me if it's an extension, just because he is only 27. He is such a core part of what they do. Yeah. Why would you only add one year? Yeah. For a guy who's 26, you don't want to have to pay a guy who's 28. That's yeah. when they're really asking for the big money. You get him to 29. And Maybe he, not at that. that. That position is sort of turning into running backs where 28... 29 the cliff kind of comes you know so you, you think maybe they're just going year by year with them after i think after that this. i think that maybe the you know the just the longevity of it like you know look at like you know what bowman and keekly and all those they all retired by 30 yeah you know so that's just sort of the way that this position is going for what but, it's worth ian rapaport so he he reported it initially and then in a follow-up tweet he said yesterday it was Devonte parker today linebacker Jawan bentley new england patriots reward two key players with big new deals Dot dot dot, and opens up a bit of cap space as well. Hmm. He keeps on putting that that little teasy tease in there. He about keeps the cap using space. that qualifier. So is he just making us dance for the likes, or does yeah, he know something? He's trying. He, yeah, he's he is. He's 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 clout chasing right now. But I I will say this. Uh, one more thing about Jawan Bentley. I I like the fact that. And look, I don't. This doesn't fit with Devontae Parker to me, but with Bentley specifically, these are two different. Yeah, deal, with, yeah. With Bentley specifically, I think one of the things that we've we've talked about and, and we've hashed out, and I know uh, you know Deuce and I have talked about this too, on PU is is sort of that committing to a next regime and yeah. like sort of committing to a new core uh, of players. And uh, to me, this suggests that Jawan Bentley is is going to be a, a part of the next core of this new core of, of Patriot, yeah. and at some point. Uh, you you couldn't keep recycling pieces, you know, like you couldn't keep going back into the well and back into the well and back into the well. At some point, you had to stick with some people. And right. I, I was mainly talking about this with the the twenty twenty draft class, like with Duggar and and Uche and Onwenu. Like, pay a couple of those guys. Like, keep some of those guys around. Build something, you know. Like, have some pillars. Have have some foundational pieces. I think that this is a, a step towards that with Jawan Benley. I think this is one of those guys that they view for the next three or four years. I think is what it's going to ultimately be. This is a pillar piece for us. You know, this is a foundational piece. A leader, a captain, a guy yeah. that we feel good about representing uh, the organization. I, I I like this for the Patriots for for several reasons. I know there's going to be those people out there, Alex. You know it that oh they need to they, oh way to get faster way to adapt, they're, they're going to see know? the nineteen million dollars over two years and they're giving ten million dollars a year to a slow linebacker and yeah. they won't even give it to a receiver. Not at all what this is. That is yeah. not it. And by the way, can I give a little PSA here just in yes. general? Yes. It can apply to Parker. It can apply to this. It can apply to anything. You do not have to react to an NFL contract instantly. We don't even have to do it and it's our job to react. You yeah. are totally allowed to say, I'm going to wait and see the structure and then form my opinion. Totally allowed to do that. You can say, yeah. I like the player. I'm glad they're keeping him around. I don't like the player. I wish they would have just let him walk. You do not have to react to the up to dollar amount because that's it's not a real that's that's like buying a home security system to keep the tooth fairy out. 
It's not real. I, like, I, yes, buying a home I, security system might be a good idea. Maybe now you're is not the gonna time accomplish for this because need. it's you just you just set me up for it. I have a real issue, a real real yeah. issue about how contracts are reported in the NFL because oh yeah, it's it's funny money. It's not real. It's fugazi. Can I? Can fugazi. I? It's not real. Okay, and this is disservice. The agents think that they're doing a service to their clients by doing this, and I think it's the total opposite. I think the agents are doing a total disservice to the player because what happens is is Devontae Parker, who caught 31 balls for 500 yards last year, gets three for 33, and then the Patriots and the player get ripped. And they say, T- play, you know, fans that not picking on fans, you guys shouldn't know the minutiae. Go do what you do with your lives. Leave that up to us, right. right? Like, I'm not blaming you for not knowing. But the point is, is that fans look at that and they say, they're giving three years, $11 million per year to Devontae Parker, right? And that's the reaction. When in reality, it's probably like a three-year deal that's really a two-year deal that's maybe worth $7 million per year. Maybe. And this is a... this paints the player it paints the team in a negative light it doesn't do anybody a service it does a a, a disservice and we need to be better about it because all it does is it 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 just people grab the pitchfork and they say they did this what and then we get people oh well why wouldn't they just give that money to jacoby myers right like you know they, they we do this whole thing with it be better like show us the details actually report on what the base value of the contract is not the max value but the base value because that's the real money is Devonte parker going to make all pro no he's not making all pro if Devonte parker has an incentive in his contract that's a thousand yard season next year he ain't hitting it he's not getting the money so that is again a disservice to everybody involved the only person that it potentially makes look good is the agent, but and more importantly, it's Rappaport, it's Schefter, it's all these insiders giving a, a an olive branch to the agent so that the agent will feed them scoops down the road, right? Like it's, oh, I'll make you right. look good, and therefore the next one that you break, like I'll give it to you again, right? And 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 that's just... It's not a good way for the fans because the fans look at it and they they get all caught up in the money and it doesn't look good for the player. It doesn't. It makes the player look overpaid, and uh, and I don't think that's fair. I'll get off my my soapbox now. I'll take some calls and uh, we'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins because again another move that hints at cap space for yes. Ian Rappaport. So we'll get to that in a second. But uh, Spee, if you're still there, I'm sorry for keeping you on hold. We were a little bit jacked up today. What's going on? Not a problem. Good to be Jeff. Very good job at the helm today, Evan. Oh, oh thank you. For you. Thank you. I uh, like the phrase you used on Pages Unfiltered. You said uh, you said they're content with okay at wide receiver. Thought that kind of stuck, and um, and and I agree with. You. I find it frustrating, like you. Um, it's just years and years of that. Uh, but and I think you might disagree with me on this next thing. See, at the same time, I think that the offense is good enough this year like for it to be put up or shut up time for Mac. Like the litmus test is still on because, you know, if Mac isn't significantly better than his rookie year, it's not about getting broken last year. It's not about not having enough weapons. It's that he's probably a journeyman more than a franchise quarterback. And I'm just preemptively frustrated with the rationalization. Like Pollyanna's seven months from now, like, you know, explaining away Mac's limitations and saying, Bill David Cardin, you know, 
But it's, it's your three to litmus test is on, and I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I, I do, Spee, I, I, and thanks for the call. And uh, we're just going to go through some of these calls. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I do agree with that uh, to an extent. I think that he needs to play a certain level of football this year. Yeah, I, 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 of course. I, I agree with that, and I would say that the the absolute sort of baseline for Mac is his rookie season, but I'm actually expecting him to be even a little bit better than that. But what I'm not expecting – is to is for him to throw 35 touchdown passes and be like a, a pseudo MVP candidate because they haven't given him the pieces to be that good. And and that's what hurts. I kind of spent last year saying why are we so focused on Mac can't produce in this offense that was yeah. set up for him to fail. Yeah. Why are we judging off of him off of that when that shouldn't be the long term? Right. Well, if he's in another offense that set up that set up for him to fail, it's unfortunate that they can't make it work with a quarterback who should be an NFL quarterback. But if that's what it's going to be, then he's not the guy. If they're going to keep asking just an insane amount of their quarterback, then it is what it is. They shouldn't do that. But if that's what it is, again, where he said explaining away Max issues with this and that, I wasn't trying to explain away Max problems last year. I was telling you what was happening. Yeah, no, it's there's absolutely no doubt that Mac should play like a starting quarterback this year, that they have enough around him both personnel wise and and especially with bill o'brien in the building that they should he should be at least back to where he was his rookie season and if he's not then they have real big issues with him you know that they might need to look to move on sooner rather than later like baker mayfield him almost right so right that that's gonna i hope that doesn't go down that road i'm just saying that that's that's what you're looking at if that does happen if he if he puts up another bad season or doesn't even make it the full year as the starter then we're talking about moving on from him after next year not even the fifth year option and all that stuff but i actually think that with the what he has around him and this is sort of goes back to my my bigger point earlier in the show i feel like the only thing that I can expect from him is comparable to his rookie season to maybe a little bit marginally better. I don't think that I can expect him to put up ridiculous numbers or to be the driver of multiple wins, you know, because of the offense and they're putting up 35 and winning games like that. But can he be good? And he just needs to be good enough to not lose them games. That's basically where it's at because they have a good enough defense. If they have, if they add Hopkins, they should have enough playmakers that if he just doesn't make mistakes, they're going to be in pretty good shape in in theory. Right. And I think that to Spee's point and and to other people's points that are, that I think are aligned with Spee, I don't want to speak for, for Spee, but I think that that to them, uh, good enough and like, not losing them games isn't isn't gonna cut it for most people, right? Like they need better than that out of the quarterback, and I I can hear that. But well, if they're winning games, people won't, winning cares all. If they're winning games, people won't care. If Max playing right. well enough to not lose them games, and there's bad things happening elsewhere, the tackle play doesn't hold up, yeah. or the depth evaporates at cornerback, then it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Yeah. All right. Let's uh let's get to Sean in Vancouver. What's up, Sean? Hey, I have a few things, guys. Uh, now, it's, when it comes to this contract for well, there's two contracts right now to talk about. I'm I'm happy uh, about Bentley because I was a huge uh, Gerard Mayo fan. I still have the jersey, and I see him kind of stepping into those footsteps. And maybe one day he'll he'll actually coach after football. But right now, I'm happy that uh, he's with the Patriots. So, but the the other contract, uh, the, uh, Parker. Um, I kind of see it a different way. Like I see them freeing up money with that, and that gives me hope that they they will sign Hopkins. And also, my concern is uh, less about 
players being knocked out from each other in terms of, of the you know, hierarchy is because there's so many injuries. I'm not concerned about that. Parker loses time for injuries. Hopkins probably will as well. Juju loses time. Everyone's out. So having five uh, real starters, uh, I don't. I don't think you're you're really threatening um, Thornton if he's healthy to to be on the field as much. Um, and then last week when I when I called in, my point uh, about the uh, the left tackle when I was saying Brian Holloway or you know it doesn't matter if it's him or Leon Gray. My point is I'm really concerned about left tackle and uh it's not even like is it fine i, I don't think it'll be fine i right now i'm concerned like i don't even know if trent brown's gonna play it's it's, it's now it's, it's, it's a problem and, and if there's yep. a left tackle situation where you're not giving back any time you, you you're just done for you need to have at least at least fine but I don't, i'm not even certain about that yeah no, so that's, that's on my no sean it's a it's a really fair point and i i, I said said it and my rant about the receivers, and I said it, you know, that I'd throw tackle into this category too. Uh, they, they have told us at every step of the way, Alex, this entire offseason that they're cool with their tackles. They said it yeah. before the draft. Uh, they said it after the draft. And now we're in a position, and look, I don't want to get mad and all worked up about something that hasn't happened yet in terms of they have they don't play games in June. Like, let's see what it looks like once it starts to come together in camp. The one thing that you can say about offensive line play is that good coaching, good scheme, uh, a five-man unit that plays on a string, and, like, the sum of the parts can be greater than than the individuals, right, at that position. I don't think you can say the same necessarily about about receiver or, or, you know, other spots on the roster, and that's maybe why I'm so strong about it. But I really – offensive line, we've seen them, like – I don't – I know Scar's not walking through the door, but we've seen them get by with what might be perceived as lesser talent but they're able to coach it up and put it together and everybody's seeing it through the same eyes and it, and it looks a lot better. So I, I, I want to give that some patience to that, but the way that they've approached tackle from a team building standpoint is the same freaking thing they're doing at wide receiver. I, I blame it the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. And the, I, I mean, it really goes back. Isaiah wouldn't kill Harry. Like yeah. boom, boom. We talked about, our whole thing was like sign one, draft one, sign one, draft one. But we were not talking about signing one, being Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson, and drafting one, being hoping that City Sal can play tackle. Like they did what we told them to do, but they did it like on on the at the dollar store, right? You know, they they didn't do it. And this was actually a year. And and look, I, I'm not trading Christian Gonzalez for Broderick Jones. I'm fine with. I'm that. not either. But. This was actually a year in free agency where the tackle market was pretty good. So I go back to this question. Somebody asked, this came up on another show. I forget exactly how it was phrased. But basically, right now, assuming they were both free agents, who would you rather have? DeAndre Hopkins, for for the money it's going to cost him, DeAndre Hopkins or Caleb and Gary? This goes back to like is 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 pass pro more DeAndre important? Hopkins. No, but, but I would I would point. probably say DeAndre Hopkins. See, I would take the tackle, and, and the reason I bring it up that way, it's if they pay McGarry or Juwan Taylor or Mike McGlinchey or any of those names we mentioned back in the spring, if they pay any of those guys, we're not doing Hopkins right now. We're just not having that conversation. They don't have the money. These are their guys. They're, they're wide receivers. They have. I would be okay with that. I would actually be okay with that at this point. I. It's it's the tackle situation is frustrating, and again, I I want to 
and I'll say this about receiver too, to a lesser degree, because I that to me is is totally like more philosophy than anything. Uh, but with tackles, I let's see how it looks because I have seen again, I've seen them figure it out with 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 guys that are not first round prodigies, right? Like right. I've seen, you've seen them make it work without Joe Thomas. Yeah, exactly. So let's see how it plays out. But I will. I'm fully on board with saying that they kind of neglected that position in terms of let's go out and aggressively get a plug and play starter, whether it was early in the draft or whether it was a McGarry or a McGlinchey or an Orlando Brown, they had cap space. They had a need. They easily could have backed up the Brinks truck for Orlando Brown, like Cincinnati did and said done, right? Like left tackle taken care of, not, not don't need to worry about it. Instead, we're in a position where it's going to basically be an open competition between four guys, uh, you know, McDermott, Reef, Anderson, Trent Brown, and you just, like, hope that two of those guys end up being competent. Like, that, that's that to me is is not great team building. It's not, it's at least at that position. And uh, we'll, we'll see so, what happens. So, real quick, let me yep. throw this in. Multiple of our colleagues, Patriots reporters, simultaneously tweeting that the move – opens up cap space a couple that mentioned Hopkins maybe hearing something yeah so let's talk about Hopkins for a second we do have some calls still to get to as soon as the Juwan Bentley thing happened the the phone started to light up a little bit so we'll we'll get to all your calls here in a second but I do want to talk Hopkins I financially the Patriots could afford DeAndre Hopkins before all these extensions and they can afford him even more now but I don't think that it really tells me much about DeAndre Hopkins is uh you know the the hope of him being here. Can, can I tell you what it does do yeah. with all this? So part of the reason we all thought Parker was a logical cut yep. was, all right, they had $14 million in cap. You signed Hawkins to twelve, And everybody's like, yeah. oh, they still have $2 million. Well, you need about $5 million to get through right. the season. You don't spend right down to zero. And it was, all right, so they, if they pay Hopkins twelve and they cut Parker, they only use up six. They're still in good shape. They extended Parker. It wasn't so much, oh, they can't both play together. It's, all right, well, now where are they going to get this money from? Well, now they've started to open that money up. So this, I don't know that it, it doesn't impact them signing Hopkins. They're still, they still should be just as aggressive as that as they've been. I think they're still just as likely to do it. What this does do is that odd man out conversation, which now I think focuses on Kendrick Bourne, yeah. becomes more about just in terms of playing time rather than a roster spot. Yeah, yeah. And the the Devontae Parker thing tells me that Devontae Parker is not going to be the odd man out. That's all it tells me, really, on, on the surface in terms of the small picture of the short term. With DeAndre Hopkins, here's I don't think financially the Patriots are any less likely to sign DeAndre Hopkins or more likely than they were yesterday. I also don't think that DeAndre Hopkins has made up his mind or is out on the – right? Like, I still think that the Patriots are very much in play for DeAndre Hopkins. My one concern is is I I don't totally love how all the, the pieces fit together. And I tweeted out earlier some next-gen stuff. They, they do uh, some cool stuff about, like, receiver splits and alignments and things like that. And basically what you're looking at with Parker and Hopkins and even Hopkins last year, even Parker uh, Hopkins, excuse me, in the last year with Bill O'Brien in 19, Hopkins has been a max split outside the numbers receiver, an X receiver, his whole career, his whole career. And so has Devontae Parker. So what you're looking at, and Devontae Parker is not moving inside. His skill set just doesn't fit it, right? So he's staying on the outside. 
So I think what's ha- what you're looking at is really uh, DeAndre Hopkins changing roles a little bit, which – okay, fine. Like they'll make that work. Bill O'Brien will make that work. And so it won't be the Julian Edelman slot receiver or the Jacoby Myers slot receiver or a Z uh, receiver. I should say it'll be a little bit different than that. Fine. But what it does tell me or what it does to the Patriots, it makes them really reliant on like the same type of skill set across the board. And like, does that concern you at all? Because it concerns me a little bit, like not to the point where I'm saying like, don't sign DeAndre Hopkins. Like obviously you you take it on and you figure it out and, and you hope for the best. But now you're really, really reliant on like contested catches, body control, hands, like guys adjusting to footballs, wearing coverage. Like there's no separator amongst this group. N- none of them. The Juju, Hopkins, uh, Parker not separators and what you're telling me is in in more more than likely is taekwon is going to have a lesser role probably and ketterport might not even be here and those are those those are your two best natural separators right those are the guys that actually can create space and create uh, get themselves open consistently so what i have concerns about is that you're really you are really going all in on one type of receiver at that point. You're going to be a physical power, big bodied, uh, contested catch group. And maybe, maybe they, that works out. For I mean, them. You, look, but, you know me, I like smash mouth football. So you've got me all hot and bothered talking about that. You think so? As for what, well, personally, I enjoy watching that style. Of okay. Play. I enjoy watching a guy just body the defender and right. just See, I'm throw the him out of the club. You know that. I know. You you like all the finesse. You you, I, I, you, you I were in LA. You, I, I was in LA. You, you, you like but that, that you like Hollywood anything. football. You like Hollywood football. I love you're the more, dancing. You're more I, Pac twelve even though you hate the Pac twelve. You're more Pac twelve than more SEC. I would here's take, my point. I would take in a heartbeat, I would take Tyree Kill over like maybe anybody besides Devontae Adams, right? Like that to me. So it's funny. I was going to say I would take Devontae Adams or I know he separates. But Devontae Adams separates too. So like, and and that's the thing is like. So, all right. I would take Rob Gronkowski over Tyree Kill. Okay. None of these guys are as good as Gronk, but okay. That's, I mean, that's. that's, I'm trying to think of who, there aren't that many guys like that anymore. I mean, you know, you go back. Obviously, like Moss, Randy Moss could do everything, but I think I'll take the guy that Moss's corners, assuming like same level of talent, they're both capable of like thousand yard seasons. Yeah, I'd rather watch a guy get. I'd, ra- I'd rather watch a corner get mossed than watch a corner get burnt. Okay, personally, that, that's fair. I find that more entertaining. Now, is that the better option in today's NFL? Yeah, that's a different question. So the biggest thing, but is I'm just saying just stylistically, a... it's more appealing to the eyes. Just, here's here's yeah. my point. Yep, here's my point. How do you feel? All right, so like down the field, they're not going to separate. You don't love them pulling away from a defender down the field. Yep. How do you feel about their ability to create instant separation off the line of scrimmage, to get off the line of scrimmage and beat press and get open like that, even if they can't sustain that? I think the route? that Hopkins is underrated in that regard. Okay. I think he can do that. Yeah. I don't really think that that's the other two's games. What about Bourne? Thor- all right. Well, so they're, they're not, not going to play. We've established that. Yep. I think their offense is going to be a lot of quick hitters. I don't think they're going to be asking guys to get open two yeah. to three to four and, seconds and I, into so a round. So I think Juju does it through scheme, right? Like yeah. they do, he does it through, uh, you know, alignment, uh, rub routes, like, you know, things motion, that motion, which I think we're going to see a lot of, right. Things that get him off the line freely. And then he's a great catch and run player. No doubt. Yeah. 
I think Hopkins is really underrated in, in his release package and how he's able to move guys off their spots and get open yeah. in that regard. So I think that there's some of that, and, and maybe I'm open to that a little bit. I think I just I don't think they're going to have these long developing like double move routes. I don't think yeah. that's what their offense is going to be. I yeah. think it's going to be hit the quick slant, Mac, throw it, you know, two feet in front of them, and use that length because they're they're kind of big at wide receiver They'd now. Be really they got big. which happened very quickly because they were not big the last. Couple I mean, years. look, Taekwon is like 180 pounds soaking wet, but he's six two, and he's got long arms. Yeah. I don't know what his yeah. wingspan is, but I should be above average yeah. for six two. I think it's going to be all right. Hit that quick slant, right, or off RPO or something, and just Mac throw it out in front of him. And the idea is the receiver's longer than the corner, and he can go out in front and catch the ball. When we talk about separation, you've heard me do this rant before. I haven't done it in a little bit, but when we yeah. talk about separation, there's two kinds of separation. There's spatial separation and there's physical separation. Yeah. Spatial separation is what everybody thinks of in terms of separation. How many yards away are you from the corner? But and we saw the Patriots were on the wrong end of physical separation last year when one wide receiver is 6'3 with a yeah. massive wingspan and the corner's 5'10. The corner can be standing right next to him, and there's still separation. You've got to be able to place the ball in a certain spot, so, but that Mac Jones is accurate. That's what he does. So he doesn't have the big arm to throw it down the field. Because I've been negative today, yeah. I'm going to give Bill a bone for a second. How generous of me. So yeah, kind oh of you. Oh, my God. How kind of me. Oh, wow. We're making up. up. We're going to give up. We're going to hug it out. It's going to be great. Here's the thing. Can you – is there an argument to be made, because we play chess and not checkers here – that maybe they look at it and say, well, you know, the league is made up of a lot of finesse corners. Right. Corners are getting smaller. Smaller, faster corners to yep. measure up against Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith and all these, you know, explosive, smaller, you know, type of receivers. Yep. So we're going to be 6'5 across the board. We're going to have Gesicki and Henry and Parker and... Hopkins and uh, even Taekwon's got some length, right? Taekwon's and, tall, yeah. And, and he's tall, Reek, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and we're gonna just we're gonna out muscle you, we're gonna out jump you, we're gonna do all. Sure, I think the biggest thing is uh, why I get so obsessed with separation. First of all, uh, it's fun. Okay, like if you want to break down like receiver play, yeah. the best thing to break down is a dude like Devontae Adams who just breaks ankles. See, but this right? is like, no, but this, this is where I have more fun. fun. I want to watch Adams or honestly, as no. good as he is as a route runner, this is a bad example because he does separate. You know what my favorite Justin Jefferson play was? It's not him putting a corner on skates. It's that catch against Buffalo where he goes up and reaches yeah, see, behind. I'm, I, I'm all about the dance. No, give me right? that catch no, 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 all day. No, give no, me winning me at dancing. the catch point it's all, all about, day. It's all about at the line of scrimmage. Everything in, in, in football and, in like, training receivers. And, you know, I like I, t- I do talk to some of the receiver yeah, yeah. trainers because I'm obsessed with receivers. Everything, like, about receiver training right now is the release. Like, it's release, 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 release. Like, that's all that these But the release drill. can still factor into this. If you can just – if you're 6'5", you don't need – Five yards of separation to be open. Yeah, if Devontae I get you. Parker just has one step on a guy, yep. and the guy covering him is 5'10, and he's 6'3, he's open. The metrics aren't going to show him being open, okay. but he's so, open. So, speaking of the metrics, uh, first of all, I just want to. But wanna... do, do you agree with that yeah, point? Yeah. And, and I, I'm glad you made the point about smaller corners because I was essentially trying to say that, and I don't know why yeah. I didn't just say it outright. So, yes. so... The corners are smaller, they're getting bigger wide receiver. Guys can be open. Even if the cor- even if they're not leaving a corner, okay. In the dust. So here's even the if thing. you don't like have, watching have, it as much, I have two things for you here. One, next gen separation metrics, like the ones that Warren Sharp tweeted out yesterday, not to pick on Warren Sharp again, uh, that he tweeted out uh, uh, about Devonte Parker being 
near the bottom of the league in like three straight years and yeah. yards of separation at the target. Light it on fire and throw it in the goddamn trash. Irrelevant. No actual football translation whatsoever. They're fun. They're cool. They're gimmicky. Uh, they're new agey, right? Like all those things. In terms of actual football, it's meaningless. You know, uh, Alex, who was like a right around. So everybody tells me that, that DeAndre Hopkins can't separate yeah. anymore, right? That's the big knock. Can't run anymore. Doesn't ride, but run by anybody anymore. Can't separate. Devontae, or excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins. Dude, I've done that so many times last couple I know, times. it's tough. DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Brown in yards of separation at the target, according to Next Gen Stats, it's identical. Right. They're both 2.6 yards. So do you think A.J. Brown can't separate? Or maybe you just think the metric is bullshit, right? Like, And that's where I'm going with it. So here's the thing. The one thing I'll say. again. I did. Sorry, Matt. Twice. You're mad today. I am mad. And I, I, and and you gave and you gave Bill credit. You're so you're mad uh, yet you gave Bill credit. Like I it could mad. even be worse. I am mad because I want I want to see I want to see some offense. I don't want to have to go through another football season like last year. Why is corners getting lost not offense? Okay, it doesn't matter. Here here I'll tell you why it does matter. The one thing that we can look at that is really consistent year to year in terms of production and I get that maybe your rebuttal is, well, I don't really give a shit about 2026 There it right is again. Now. Wow, what is wrong with me today? Uh, I don't really give a crap about 2026. Fair, fair. But year to year, the the separation guys, like the, the route yeah. runners and the burners, those guys are a lot more stable in terms of their production. So when you're looking at it from like a team building perspective, it's probably more important in that vein than it is in like, you know, winning games, right? Like it doesn't matter. Like if one guy puts up a hundred yards, the other guy puts up a hundred yards, how you got to a hundred yards is irrelevant. Right. But the thing is, is that when you're looking at it from a team building perspective, in the draft, especially the separators are the guys that translate the most and the guys that go on to be productive in the league the most, right? Like you can just look at the case by case basis, you know, Nikhil Harry versus the other receivers. What, what was the difference between Nikhil Harry and Debo Samuel and AJ Brown? And, uh, you know, all those guys, the one guy can't separate. Right? And, right. and so I think that that's, that's true about separation. The other thing is, is, and this is my bigger question for you and, and for the panel here, uh, which is two people and Matt, is this type of offense, and I get what you're saying about the quick hitters, and if, if these bigger receivers can create that quick separation, then maybe it's irrelevant. But is this type of offense of jump balls, back shoulder throws, like all this type of stuff, is that what's best for Mac Jones? Because the Mac Jones that I saw at Alabama was throwing to John Mechie and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, right? He's throwing a, to a much different type of receiver than Devontae Parker. And I've always wanted them to try to build Alabama, right? And they have Bill yeah. O'Brien, they have the quarterback, but at receiver, they're doing it very different. Alabama does not it was in their prime right with Mac was right. not made up of Devonte Parkers. So do you think that this type of offense is truly what's best for Mac? Because I have some reservations about that because in order to really get the most out of these, like, you know, 
body control, hands, contested catch, guys. You need to be able to put the ball in the only place that they, that old cliche, right? Like the only person that could catch this was the receiver. And it's not, it's, it's line drive throws. It's not like the, the balloons down the field. It's not the crossing routes. It's not the touch passes. Those are like back shoulders need to be seeds. Like you need to throw that with some velocity. You need to throw that outside the numbers, you know, jump balls down the field. You need to throw that with some, some distance under the ball. Is it what's best for Mac Jones to build the offense this way? Probably not. I, but this is the course they're on, and I, I you can't half and half it. You you can't half and half it. So for them to change course now, it's too late. I think for the position they've put themselves in, this is what they have to do. Yeah. But you know, if I could go back two years, again, I would have traded for Jerry Judy. Right. I but they didn't. They didn't, so where they're at right now, yeah, I think you go all in on the size thing, you go out and get Hopkins, and you just force teams to play super big at corner and just catch, you You, you basically... You want to be like that sixth grader on the schoolyard that's just bigger, faster, stronger than everybody. And, and it's also, faster, and it's also that element, and, and you talked about this, and I, maybe this is just recency bias because of something I, yeah, I'm having recency bias, something I read Whoa. the other day. There was this. I sent it to you. Said it's sometimes him that has the recency. No, it's just this one thing. I read this really interesting piece on the athletic from Bruce Feldman, who's a college football writer. I sent this to you about how defensive coordinators on air raid teams go about coaching day to day, week to week, year to year. And did you did you get a chance to read it? I haven't yet. Okay, so you should read it. There's a big section about how it's not one of the toughest things for them to do is. The personnel is built so specifically for an air raid team. You don't have tight ends. You only have certain kinds of receivers. You don't do certain things that there are looks that they're simply not going to see throughout spring camp, throughout the summer, week to week, that they just have to get into a game and see. And I'm not saying the Patriots should be air raid, but to apply it forward, we talked about corners are smaller because receivers are smaller and quicker. The Patriots are going to give teams things that – they are not going to see, and they may not be prepared to practice for. Okay. I don't know that that's the ultimate way to go about building a Super Bowl winning team, but right. at the the where they've put themselves, that is not a horrible path to go down and basically say we are going to. And it's it's worked to a certain extent. This is kind of what the early Lamar Jackson offenses were built on. Was there was no way to prepare for that? Yeah, I just feel like and I I think I, the I just Patriots wish the quarter, are, I think the quarterback would be better off with separators. I think I he would, but that ship sailed and, and I'm not saying six months ago, again, a year ago. Like, like I said earlier, I'm not saying don't sign DeAndre Hopkins because this is, you're right. You're, you got to take the best players available and he's the best player available right. and you make the, you make it work and you figure it out later. Uh, but I, I just, I don't love what the main thing that I don't love about it. And, and I, I always, you know, pound the table for separation, but I think what the other element of it is, is like, there's, there's nobody, unless you somehow still find a way to get Taekwon Thornton meaningful snaps, there's nobody taking the top off. And so, but, and, and that's not even about like, did I need the deep ball in the offense? Yeah. It's just about space. No, right? it, like it's, in, it's about creating space. Yeah. And, and, like how are you going to get the I safeties off the middle right, of the but field? But I would have gone back, trade for a guy like like uh, Jerry Judy, 
all those guys we talked about in the draft last year, Evan, Sky Moores and, and uh, Calvin Austin and guy like that, like those are the guys that would have put around Mac Jones, absolutely. But this is where they're at. I think the idea is it's going to be quick. Okay. It's going to be okay, it's just going to be quick, you, and that's how they're going to win. How do you get the slants and the digs and the crossers? How do you get those routes open? If no defense in the world is afraid of anybody running by them. Right, running tight ends up the seam. It's you're not stretching okay. the field on the boundary. You're stretching, and that you're, is you're, that is an Alabama thing. You're sort now of, they did you're, it. You're, you're you're making a good point there. And that that is okay. what they did. Now they did it with Jameson Williams. They did it with burners, not tight ends. Again, yeah. they're doing it by being bigger rather than being faster. But you're gonna if run. you can t- if you can tell if you're telling me and you're talking me into. That Gasicki is going to be a legit seam runner, yeah. like like it's going to be a problem. He should be. I mean, I don't know how they'll. That's how I would do it. Yeah. Then I could see where you're coming Cause from because that's Matt, we know Matt can throw the seam go. Yeah. We know that's one of his best routes. Yeah, I, that's just my biggest thing. I don't need Tyquan Thornton to have a thousand yard season. Right. I need Tyquan Thornton to take the safety to with keep him the down safeties the safeties honest. Yeah, yeah. And that's been their problem for years is yeah. they can't keep teams honest deep. But yeah, if you have. Mike Kosicki running the seam from the slot deep, and you're bringing DeAndre Hopkins, or you're bringing Juju Smith-Schuster, or you're yeah. bringing Devontae Parker in behind him on a slant, yeah. you're just going to create empty space there, and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be just hitting that slant, and you can build RPOs into this, obviously, just, but it's going to be hitting that slant until eventually that safety comes up, and then you throw the ball to Mike Kosicki, or Hunter Henry, or Tyquan Thornton, or whoever you have running all that right, you're, you're I'm at least open to it. I'm again. I'm not saying it, it's. But I'm open. I'm not it. saying it's going to be the most revolutionary offense in the world, but the pieces yeah. are there to put that together. And I don't know that it's the best offense for Mac Jones, but it's it a good. A, it is a offense. It's a good offense for Mac. <laughs> it's, yeah, a re- it's a good offense for Mac it, Jones. It's a real offense for Mac Jones. It's something that builds to maybe not all of his strengths, but some of his strengths compared to last year, which played to none of his strengths. Yeah, that's fair. All right, let's get let's clear the phones here, right. and uh, we'll we'll wrap it soon. Uh, Patty and Aguam, what's up, Patty? How you doing? Good. What's up, guys? Hey. I got two quick points and a question. Uh, first point is I, I hope Kyle Duggar is the next guy that gets the extension. Point number two, um, Alex, I'm with you. The fact that Rodney Harrison is not in the Hall of Fame to me is absolutely disgusting. The, you know, for many years, Aeneas Williams was in over Ty Law, and I could, I could never understand the logic behind that. I can't believe that guys like Brian Dawkins and, I mean, Palomalu was great. Ed Reed was the best safety I've ever seen. But Rodney Harrison absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. You're here. And um, my question, just to sort of expound upon what I talked about on PU, Evan, because I had to wrap it up because I'd get back to work. Um, Love that. But when I said possibly, like, if they sign Hopkins and they have him play kind of like uh, like Fitzy did his final years in Arizona, my thing, my my idea was like more or less like positionless football on offense. I know they talked about it on defense last year, and and you guys could probably answer this because I don't know because I'm not like I don't go as deep as you guys go, but maybe like on certain drives you keep the same personnel out there, but you could just line them up in different different spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have they have they ever done that? And can you see them doing something like that if they sign Hopkins? That's yeah. all I got, guys. Yeah, thanks, Fatty. Yeah, I mean, like, look, that's for... I actually think the positionless thing comes into play more if they don't sign Hopkins. So in the simplest form, though, not to get, like, into a whole thing, yeah. but in the simplest form, like, the EP system is, like, built for that. Like, that's the right. whole, that's sort of the goal, is that you can run the same play 
over and over again, but you run it out of with the same personnel on the field, but each time it's a little bit different. And that's or, like, or you can do it the other way. You keep running the same play with different personnel and right. different skills. But my point is, is like, you can put in the Patriots used to do this all the time. And that's why I think this is a good example. You can run Haas Duke out of 21 personnel, which is an empty formation call. Right. And you can do it 17 different ways. And in the Super Bowl against the Rams, they ran it three straight plays to get down the field on the game winning drive. And they ran it. They hit three different ways, right? They hit it on the juke route to Edelman. They hit it on the hitch. I think it was to uh, Rex Burkhead on the outside. And then they hit the seam to Gronk for the big play. Right. Right. So they, that was the nature of the beast. And that, I think that was actually 22. If I remember correctly, I think Edelman might've been the only wide receiver on the field. And they finally like, did something that caught Wade Phillips by surprise, and like, they, <laughs> like he was like, "What the heck is going on here?" Uh, so they that that's the nature of their offense and and respect in its simplest form. Obviously, there's a, like a million different you know details and things like that that go into it that that even you know go beyond my knowledge of it. But the main thing is, I think that. The idea of Hopkins, and I think I'm glad that Patty brought this up because Mike Lombardi actually brought this up a couple weeks ago. And Mike Lombardi, when he's talking about guys the Patriots might be interested in or sniffing around or is interested in his Hopkins, it doesn't feel like Mike Lombardi just like gets that out of nowhere. And the one thing that Mike Lombardi said is that at this stage of his career, because Hopkins has lost maybe a step on the third level of the defense. Like he's not a guy that takes, that's going to separate over the top uh, maybe as consistently as he once did him playing more in the slot and being sort of like a possession slot receiver was something that Lombardi floated. So I think that the Larry Fitz comp is possible, but my, my only sort of thing with that is, well, like what's Juju doing then? Right, you know, like Juju become the Z then. So, well, even still, like it, you you know, yeah, you can run like three by ones and you know two by twos and things like that to get two slots, so to speak. But like, it's not, you know, you're starting to get a little bit complex there in terms of like generating more inside receiver. Yeah. So you know, I I mean, I, I think Hopkins can be a slot receiver from the Z. I think that's possible. Also, what's wrong with complex? They should be more complex. Yeah, like, no, I want them I, to be. I hear you. I just, they need to be. It would definitely be different from what they've they've done. Like because when they had like Edelman and Amendola, for example, that's a lot different than having two like yeah. six one receivers in the slot. You know, it's more like. But I don't hate the Larry Fitz comp in terms of you know Larry Fitz. Yeah, later on in his career, Larry Fitz became a chain moving slot receiver because he couldn't run down the field the same way anymore right and that's how he became a possession guy he was catching like 120 balls out of the slot in arizona uh there's a chance that that deandre hopkins is similar and uh, i think there's a chance that that that's the possibility and that would explain at least in theory if the hopkins is still in play alex that would kind of explain in theory why Devonte parker is still here Right. Right. Is like, cause he's going to be the outside guy and they're looking at Hopkins as more as like your floater, your move, please, your flanker, your Z. And then Juju's still playing in the slot somehow as well. I, I guess it's possible. And we do know that Bill O'Brien loves empty. So have at it. Right. right. Like, you know, you create three by ones, create two by twos and have multiple slot receivers. Like go for it. All right. Uh, Nick is in Salem. Nick, what's going on? 
going on, fellas? Um, great conversation because a lot of what I was going to going to ask about kind of got covered. But in relation to the state of Hopkins and Parker, I guess just the offense at large. So I know you just kind of touched on the slot percentage. I know Hopkins last year I looked it up was like around 17% in the slot. But I mean, I think he has done a little bit in the past. Obviously, Juju, Parker, Gasicki to an extent, Hunter Henry in the past, health issues. I think, what, like, my question is, like, where are we going with the larger picture? And if we're just going to kind of be, like, middling team, middling offense. How are we going to get a good evaluation on Max and kind of decide where we're going in the future, right? Like, what what is this all amounting to? And I think, to me, like, going out and getting Hopkins is worth whatever kind of shifting round of offensive pieces may come with that, whether it's, you know, we signed Juju, hey, whatever, kick him to the side because Hopkins is not kicking the side, but, you know, find a role for Hopkins is that much better and will help us get an evaluation of Mac and kind of like direct where we're going as a franchise. So, yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Or you got anything else? No, I think it's it. No, hung up. Yeah. General no. thoughts, like also like, like a pairing of Parker and Hopkins, kind of the Mike Williams, Keenan Allen sort of build to me, which I know the Chargers have kind of gotten um, points off them for not having like the speed type of guy as well, which I know be of type one, but, it has worked around the league, and I know I, I was thinking the same thing, like Mack in college. College was working with Smith and Waddle and more of the separator type of guys. So, I don't know. To me, it's just worth like taking a shot on Hopkins just to see what you have to the most ability before we get into the point where, you know, we're looking at Mack's fifth-year option. And we're kind of in like a Daniel Jones situation where, hey, he had a great year, decent year last year. Daniel Jones talking about we have to decide if you want to pay him or not. We're coming up on that point quickly, and I just kind of want to – Take a step back and look at the larger perspective. Yeah, That's Nick, it. no no problem. Yeah, thanks for the call. Look, we're all about the larger perspective here, and I think we're both in agreement that you signing Hopkins is a no-brainer and yeah. figuring out what you have with Mac is also a no-brainer. But in terms of the bigger picture, I think this kind of goes back to, to what I was saying earlier. As much as all this sounds all well and good, and I do agree that getting into the minutia of how these pieces fit together with Hopkins in the mix is, is almost back to having first world problems again, Alex. Like we're almost back to like, you know, like, Oh, like this is what good teams have to worry about. But at the same time, that it doesn't have a long shelf life. Like this is not a long term. So no, answer. this is this is a quick fix. This yeah. is a quick fix. It's still going to be Evan. We are going to be sitting here next year in March doing the draft, talking about receivers. wide receivers and tackles. Yeah, wide receiver. It's going to be the same thing yep. we just did. Wide Fun. receivers, tackles. Wide receivers, tackles. Wide, and it's going to be the third. Basically, since they drafted Mac, twenty twenty one was receivers, tackles, and corners. Right. Last year was receivers, tackles, and corners. All right, they checked the cornerback uh, we box. We well, they should be good. Uh, actually, maybe not. All right. I'm not saying that they're not going to be good because of Christian Gonzalez. I'm I know, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it it still won't be on that level though. Yeah. It'll be wide receivers. It'll be like a mid round corners. Right. Like It'll that. be wide receivers and tackles. That is yeah. going to be the draft next year. Yep. Whether that's Joe Alt, whether that's Aggie Hall. Okay. You're just. I have, are these real people? I, I don't yeah. even know what you're talking. Joe Alt's the number one. T- I, Number one tackle in the class. Aggie Hall's at Texas. He's an Alabama transfer. Because I sounds like a Madden creative player I to me. Blanked but. on the name of the other Texas receiver who's actually filthy. Who I want them to get. Who everybody's sleeping on. Who's like who, Xavier Worthy? Who is there? Like um, who's going to be my Zay Flowers? Like who's going to be my burner that separates and makes me look? You know, makes me get all um, bothered. Honestly, it it um, so. Adonai Mitchell's a guy I really like in that role. He's super fast. Roman Wilson from Michigan. You're going to like Xavier Worthy. 
Okay. Xavier Worthy, he broke out as a freshman, and then he was like kind of hurt last year. Yeah, he's going to be with Quinn Ewers. He's going to have a great chance in the Big Twelve. Not Arch Manning. Not no, he's redshirting this year. Oh. Quinn Ewers is a better quarterback than Arch Manning, for the record. I know. But um, and actually, as I'm looking at this right now, the database we use, they have in their way too way way too early mock draft at 14th overall to the Patriots, Xavier Worthy. All right, Xavier Worthy is the guy. The Patriots. I'll believe it when I see it. All right. I don't think that's Well, you happen. even said I, we were texting about this a couple weeks ago. You're going to kind of jump start the draft a little bit here the next couple weeks. I'm going to try. If I, know, I now all these extensions and all this If I this send you a couple is... Xavier Worthy things, will you watch just Xavier sure. Worthy? All right. Fine. I'm sending all right. you right now. Mark in Connecticut. What's up, Mark? Hey guys, how's it going? I uh, just had two quick uh things on that. I've been saying for years Rodney Harrison has been getting snubbed absolutely from the Hall of Fame. I don't know what the problem is there, but he was probably one of the best uh, safeties to ever play the game, in my opinion. And then, um, no also, arguments here. The, yeah, and the other thing is, is the problem is, is that we don't have a Rob Gronkowski or a Julian Edelman like Tom Brady had when the game was on the line. He knew who he was going to, and the defense couldn't stop whoever he was going to go to. We don't have that receiver-like type guy, but I feel like if we get DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe he can be that type of receiver for Mac Jones. Yeah, I, I we agree on that. You know, thanks for the call, Mark. We we talk about Tuesday players. You could talk about it in that vein, right? Of yeah, when the the and I I sort of wrote this after after minicamp and after this the off season program. Like, yeah, they they look competent. Like they look they looked like an NFL offense again. They got some pieces. You know, they, they Mike Kosicki looked good. Uh, Parker had a good strong finish. I think his last practice was probably his best one. Uh, we didn't see Juju and Taekwon a whole lot, but you could see, all right, they got some things going on. They got some pieces, but is it enough when it's third and six for the game and they need to beat Buffalo and it's 35, 31 and they need one more score. Like, are they going to be able to put the drive together? You know, right. and that you won't know if, when the, if they can do that when the cards are down until the cards are down, you know, and, and that's, that's sort of part of all this whole thing. But I, I think DeAndre Hopkins could be that guy as well. And I think in, in particular, I think he could be a guy like on third down that could certainly be that guy, right? You know, it's yeah. someone that you can really rely upon and go to and that sort of thing. So uh, we're all on the board with with Rodney Harrison, which did you like, write about that recently or something? That's... We mentioned it very briefly on the last show. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. I, I mean, mentioned hey, it somewhere recently. I'm always yeah, for be... our, our soapboxing about Rodney Harrison. Yes. I like that. I'm good with that. All right. Last call here. Then uh, we're going to we're going to call it a day uh leo in boston what's up leo leo hi hey, hey. how's it going hey. um so i've been you know there's a lot of talk about wide receivers and you know all this stuff but in the years past i feel like a huge issue i've seen that we haven't figured out yet is having a solid consistent offensive line there has been talk about the tackles is riley Wright going to show up is Trent Brown going to, you know, quote-unquote, get on board, right? Um, but even if he gets on board, he's going to get hurt like he always does. There's going to be some problem. And our depth is like a ton of question marks, really young guys, stuff like that. Um, you know, is our coaching staff up, up to the task of, of coaching these guys up when we, when we need the offensive depth? You know, are these, are these kind of unproven rookies going to show up? Um, I feel like if we can't protect Mac Jones we, like we haven't in the years past, you know, I, I don't really care. I feel way more confident in our wide receiver class than I do in our current offensive line state. 
you know, David Andrews is the only guy who's been there for a while who's been dependable, but he's getting old. His backup is what, Cody Rusey and Jake Andrews? Like, I don't know. I'm way more scared about that, and I feel like there's not a ton of talk about it. So I'm curious to see, you know, is where where's the issue? Are, is this where we're going to go with, or, or can the past solidify this? Or am, am I wrong? Are we fine on O-line? You know, can you? what do you guys think? Yeah, thanks for the call, Leo. Uh, we're, we're up against a little bit, so I'm just going to let you go. But, look, we, we've been talking about offensive line for months. So, I look, the receivers and talking about wide receivers and DeAndre Hopkins, like it's it's sexier, it's more fun. Like they, there's no doubt about it that, that people want to hear us talk about that stuff more than they want us to hear about, like, who's, you know, who's the guard, you know, behind Mike Onwenu, right? Like, like it's just a more uh, appealing topic. With that being said, I, I've said all show long and basically all offseason long since the draft, they – in my opinion, have not done enough at tackle. They did nope. not shore up the tackle spot. Uh, that should be something that we should hold them accountable for. If we get into the season and they're struggling to block on the edges, then we can point directly to the offseason and say, you did this to yourself. You know, you, you saw this train coming and you didn't move off the tracks, right? And, and that's, I think, a general uh, legitimate criticism. Now, I'm not afraid of the interior three at all. I think Cole no, Strange should be shape, a though. decent player uh, for them. Uh, David Andrews, you mentioned, and, and Onwenu in the inside will be good as well. It's the tackle spot, and yeah, it, it does come down uh, to it a lot of an extent to Adrian Clem and Bill O'Brien scheming it up. Like they're going to have to coach it up. They're going to have to coach around it. They're going to have to coach. Uh, they're going to have to call things and call plays that protect it and make sure that those guys are playing to their strengths and not putting them in in disadvantageous positions and that's coaching and do I think that they have better coaching to pull that off yeah I I do and I think Adrian Clem is going to be a fine offensive line coach maybe more uh in terms of just relevance like you know Carmen Brasillo right no one's going to compare him to Scar uh but uh Carmen Brasillo it was a really good offensive line coach, a professional offensive line coach. And I think Adrian Clem will be similar and, and Bill O'Brien will figure it out and will it be good enough? Well, we, we can't, the only time will tell on that, but I'm not really afraid of depth along the offensive line. Cause I think they have bodies. It's about starting caliber players. And I think that that's sort of where I'm coming at as well um, with receivers. It's not about, they have bodies. They have four or five guys that can play on an NFL field. Uh, I think four right now, conservatively. I not assuming DeAndre Hopkins is here. And on offensive line, I you know, I did my roster projection. I knew we were that's what we were supposed to talk about today until all this news took over. Right. Uh, I did my uh, my roster projection. I had ten guys, ten linemen on my roster, and my guess is is they'll get it down to eight or nine. There'll be an injury. Foxborough flu, right? You know, something along those lines. But in reality, they have 10 rosterable offensive linemen. Yes. Do they have two good tackles or do they just have bodies at tackle? That's going to be the question. It's it's what I've said about it. They're just throwing as much as they can against the wall and seeing what sticks. And if that's going to be the plan, they should sign a guy like DJ Fluker. Not because he's going to fix everything. He's going to be better. But if that's the plan, the more guys you have, the more... Right, the more chance one yep. of them is the right one. So, you know, if you're going to buy lottery tickets, you might as well buy – well, no, that's a bad example. But if you have $10 to buy lottery tickets, 
Why are you only spending $9 on lottery tickets and saving the dollar? You might as well take as many shots as you can. There you go. All right. So we're, we're going to wrap it here. But what a busy day, Marine, for June yeah. 29th. We got uh, two contract extensions, Devontae Parker and Jawan Bentley, signing uh, contract extensions multiple years uh, in the books for the Patriots. DeAndre Hopkins still out there, still out there. We're still holding our breath on that one. And uh, what does it all mean? Uh, I'm not entirely sure that it's all connected, but it certainly doesn't ho- uh, hurt their chances uh, creating more cap space. Yes, you want to get those guys locked in. Yes, you want to start to build that core that we were talking about with Jawan Bentley, Alex. But last thing here, it does sort of feel like they're moving money around for something, right? Like, why Why now? Like, you could have done this when you got into Got to get Lawrence Guy out of that holdout. <laughs> you could have done this when you got into camp. We could have done this in August. Like, t- yeah. they tend to do this, like, at the end of August, right? Right. You know, when, oh, you had a good training camp. We're going to reward you with the extension. Doing this uh, – on a week before July 4th tells me that they're accounting for something. Uh, They're moving around money for something. So we'll continue to monitor that situation. We'll be back next Thursday uh, for another show and we'll continue to break this all down and think about all these different uh, situations. But until then signing off for Alex Bart for Marine behind the glass. I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening to four straight hours of me at the host chair. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.